0: Hello, and welcome to the City Baptist Church Podcast, where our desire is to help others find meaning and mission in following Jesus. Today's message is from our brand new sermon series, Acts, Church on the Move. In this series, we follow the expansion of the early church. Even in the midst of persecution, we see the church experience tremendous growth through the power of God and staying faithfully committed to the word and community.
1: But I just want to give a quick reminder of where we have been so far in the study of the book of Acts. If you remember, the persecution of the early church was in full swing at this point. Uh, I had it begun, of course, right around the time of the day of Pentecost, back in Acts chapter number 2, and progressively it built up until the time where Stephen himself was killed, one of the first Christian martyrs that was uh, Christian martyrs for the faith. At that point, once uh, Stephen was stoned for his faith, uh, the persecution went to a whole nother level. And you remember we heard about a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus and how he was essentially given free license to go out and persecute anybody that claimed the name of Christ. Last week, we, or last time we were in the, in the sermon, uh, or in this passage, we saw uh, how he was basically allowed to go and the description of it was that he created havoc. He brought havoc to the church. Now, if you ever have a time in your life and you're like, man, my life is full of havoc right now, that's not a great place to be. And imagine the entire earth Early church uh, was was just in a place of uh, just total disarray. There was attacks coming from all sides. It says that he was going out and he was literally grabbing people and dragging them to prison just because of their faith. And then what we saw and we looked at it last week, we saw that because of the persecution. Then people began to scatter all around the known world. Now, if you look at it at face value and you see the persecution and you see the fact that Christians are losing their lives for their faith and people are beginning to scatter, to me, as I look at it, uh, part of what's in the back of my mind is like, well, this is the end. <laughs> this is the end of the movement. They succeeded. They're breaking it up. But what we have noticed so far is that what men meant for evil, God has meant it for good. And so God allowed that persecution to be sort of a catapult for the word of God to be spread all over the known world uh, at that time. And now people were taking the gospel all around outside of uh, israel at that point as we began in acts chapter 8 though last time the thing that reminded me or that i was reminded about as i began this study for this week and the thing that i was so inspired by in our last study in the first 25 verses of acts chapter 8 was that the early church though they were under a great deal of persecution they did not let their suffering silence their faith that was really the big thought from the last message that we had was that they did not let their suffering silence their faith. In verse 8 of chapter, uh, verse 4, it said, uh, sorry, of chapter 8, therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. What a powerful example to us of people that though they were going through a great deal of suffering themselves, going through a lot of trials, they were still willing to share the gospel. You know, we get so discouraged, don't we? I mean, how quickly do we get discouraged and how quickly do we become internally focused and forget about our calling as Christians to be sharing our faith with other people? I mean, these young believers here, and we're talking months maybe that they had known about Jesus Christ, months only that they had put their faith and trust in him. And now they're losing their families, they're losing their homes, they're losing their friends, they're being displaced from their home. And yet their main focus is, I have to tell other people about what God uh, has done in my life and they're sharing their faith openly. And it's such a, a, a passion thing to see in them as they shared their faith and then in our last message as well we reconnected with a guy by the name of Philip if you remember Philip and uh, Philip was someone who was chosen by the church family uh, because of his faith because of his character and he was initially chosen to serve widows if you remember that story back from early in the message uh, earlier on in the series he was chosen to serve those that uh, did not have uh, anyone who could care for them and uh and yet uh though he was just serving in that lowly area if you want to call it that God led him to go to Samaria and to begin to preach the gospel and that's what we looked at in Acts chapter 8 verses 1 through 25 you can always check up uh catch up uh, on the podcast if you want to check up catch up man I'm having a hard time this morning with my words uh just we're just going to put it out there and uh we'll uh we'll, we'll figure it out here in a minute hopefully it'll clear up you know so I don't know what it is you guys make me nervous um and, uh, and so we'll, we'll get through it. But Philip, we're talking about Philip, and uh, he responded to the call of God. He went up to Samaria, and what we saw is that a place that was looked on with a lot of disdain because of the gospel coming to it, God really did an amazing thing there in that central part of the country. Now, we, we had shown this in our last message, and you can see Samaria was at the kind of in the middle part of Jerusalem, or of, uh, of Israel, Judea, of course, uh, had Jerusalem. Galilee, Samaria uh, was a place that people definitely did not like. They did not like the people that were from there. And yet we see the gospel breaking through all of those barriers and being taken by Philip. And such an amazing thing happened there. It tells us earlier on there in the chapter that great joy came upon the people because of their reception of the gospel. And in fact, it was such a big reception that the church in Jerusalem sent Peter and John to check out things, right, to see what was happening. And then we see a very unique situation where they actually gave the Holy Spirit to that church and those people there in Samaria by the laying on of hands. And we spent a bit of time talking about it, but it's a good thing for us to be reminded of just today at the beginning of the message that the book of Acts, remember, is descriptive, not prescriptive. It's a great thing to remember about the book of Acts. It describes a lot of things that were happening, but it's not necessarily the prescription for how the church continued on from that point. There's a lot of things that happen in the book of Acts that are not happening any longer. And so that's what we understand is that it was a transitional moment for the church as God was again revealing himself to the Jews and establishing his gospel in all nations. And then he sort of set things in order from that point on. And that's why we practice church the way that we do today. Some of the things you'll read about in the book of Acts you'll just be like, that's crazy. And in fact, today is going to be one of those days. You're going to see something you'll be like, wait a second. Uh, well, that doesn't continue to happen today. And we'll cover that uh, here in a few minutes. But God was work at work in Samaria. And so as Peter and John left, it tells us in verse 25, this is where we ended last time. It says, and they, when they had testified and preached the word of God, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. And so the word was going out to Samaria. People were finding out about the gospel. Joy was there. And now what I want you to notice is that Jerusalem had the gospel. Judea, which was that area around it, if you want to call it maybe the province around Jerusalem, they had the gospel. And now Samaria had witnesses for the truth and people had turned to faith in Samaria. But there's still one more region that the gospel needed to go to. And we're reminded about it in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples for the very last words that he said to them. He said, but you shall uh, shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And then he says, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in, say it with me, Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto what? The uttermost part of Jerusalem the earth. Now to me when I look at that, I'm like three out of four, that's not that bad, right? You can tell what kind of student I was. (laughs) Seventy five percent. That's great. I'm I'm moving right through. Three out of four is not that bad, but to God, he still wanted the entire world to know about the gospel. And so God was not going to be stopped within Israel. And so we now see another transition taking place as the gospel begins to spread outside of Israel. And the cool thing about it is that God is gonna accomplish his mission in the same way that he does today by putting a call upon a person's life to reach someone else with the life-changing truth of the gospel and so point number one in your notes if you want to fill it out today I want you to see here the call of the gospel in this passage we see the call of the gospel and we'll begin reading in verse 26 I'll read down to verse number 30 for a bit of context but verse 26 says and the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip so here we are Philip again And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And you're like, great, I know exactly where that is. We'll explain that in a minute. Verse 27. And he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, Read Isaiah the prophet in verse number 29. And the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? I want to go back to verse number 26 uh, for this first thought. Now remember, the ministry in Samaria had been going really well. It had been going great. People were coming to know the Lord. People were being saved. Philip was given, if you remember, he was given the sign gift of healing. And people would come from all over and he was able to heal people. And you got to think, that must have been a pretty amazing thing uh, to experience. But in the middle of his success, if you want to call it that, in the middle of God using... Philip, in a tremendous way in a region that had yet to have the gospel, we see God send an angel with instructions specifically to leave Samaria, to head all the way down to this place that was described as a desert, and, uh, and it was described as a road from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, that last phrase in the road, where uh, phrase in the verse where it says, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert, if you were to literally translate it out word for word, what it means is arise and go south to the road, so that's the region, And then it says that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Gaza. And so in other words, what the angel says is, Philip, I want you to get up and I want you to go to the road that's in the desert. And he says, thank you very much. (laughs) I was enjoying my time up here. I was really enjoying what God was doing. He says, no, I just want you to go to a road that is in the desert. Now, put yourself in Philip's shoes for a moment. Maybe you've never done this, but sometimes I talk back to God when God talks to me. That's a good, you know, that's okay. Okay. Sometimes I wonder, like, God, are you really asking me to do this? And I I like to put myself in the mind of Philip. I can imagine him saying, like, Lord, you know things are going pretty well up here in Samaria. (laughs) I know that I'm not part of the 12 and I'm not part of the big three, you know, apostles or anything, but God, you're really doing something special here, and I really enjoyed what's going on. Surely you want me to stay here. Isn't there someone who's closer? I know, God, I know a few people that live in Jerusalem. They're actually pretty close to that area. Can we just send a message and they can go to the desert road? I'm sure he, all of these things were in his mind, just like many of you when God speaks to you. You start to argue with God a little bit. And then you say, uh, and he's saying, well, isn't there somebody else? Couldn't he possibly uh, uh, use someone else? But While we would expect that of Philip, that's not what we see of Philip. And I want you to notice there in verse 27 at the beginning, it says, and he arose and went. The angel came to him and said, I want you to go down to this desert place. And he was like, all right. He got up and he went. Now, I love that. I love that because Philip is an example of a Christian to us who's willing to simply obey the leading of God. Now, today we don't have angels that come to us in our dreams, that say, boo, <laughs> you know, I don't know if they say boo or not, but we don't have, you know, these physical angels that come and speak to us, but God does speak to us through his Holy Spirit. That's a proven fact throughout Scripture, and it's a proven fact in, in my life, and those of you who know Christ, you know what it's like to have the Holy Spirit of God speak to you in an unusual way, and it may not be like, Christian, uh, go get pastor a coffee, or, you know, <laughs> it may not be something like that. No, <laughs> I just, uh, uh, it may not be so specific, but sometimes there's a leading, you know, how many of you have ever experienced the Holy Spirit tell you to go and talk to somebody about the gospel? That's right. yeah. Oh, man, we don't like that, do we? <laughs> how many times have you ever had maybe God speak to you about just reaching out to someone and saying, hey, I want to let you know I prayed for you. How many times have you been praying and God has brought somebody to your mind while you're praying? And he's like, hey, I want you to pray for that person. It happens all the time. and It's a it's a wonderful thing. And and for me in my life, there was a time where God spoke to me. And was like, I want you to go and start a church in Vancouver. And, uh, and I said, all right. And so often God speaks to us in this way, but the, the, the point that I want you to notice here is that when a call comes from God, I want you to respond like Philip, which is simply he just went up, he just went and did it. He didn't question it. He didn't wonder all about it. He just got up and he followed the leading of the Holy Spirit. He's what the early Puritan believers, and I don't talk about the Puritans a lot, but they have a lot of great thoughts. But one of the, the Puritan believers, what they called this was this, they called this the two marks of a Christian. They called it the mark of the ear and the mark of the foot. And they based it off of John 10, 27, where Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. The two marks of a Christian should be that we have the mark of the ear and the mark of the foot, that we hear the word of God, and then we follow God, whatever it is that he is leading us to do. You know, sometimes people ask me when they're newly saved, they're new Christians, they're like, what now? I've had that said to me, you know. They just got saved, and they're like, what do I do now? I'm a Christian now, what do I do? The answer is this, listen to God, and then follow God. And I'll tell you this, it doesn't matter if you're saved 30 years or if you're saved two minutes, this is the call for us is that we are to listen to God and we are to follow him. That means that when he speaks, when we we follow him, when we read his word and he teaches us things out of his word that show us that we need to make a change in our life, guess what we do? We make that change in our life because it's God speaking to us. It's it's going to the word. It's coming to church with a mind of affirmation, not a a mind of resistance. So often when we hear God, our first response is like, eh, eh. I don't know about that. Again, I'm the only one today. That's great. Thank you. You guys are all sleepy today. Is it, is it hot in here? Is that what's happening? Should we turn on the AC? <laughs> I, I didn't, okay. I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes you're cold. Sometimes you're hot. I can't figure it out. Um, but you know what I'm talking about. The Spirit speaks or you're in church and you're like, all right. And God starts to really work in your life in the service and you're like, eh, I don't know that that's really... The idea is that we come with affirmation, meaning when I read the word, I'm here to affirm what it's saying to me. I, I'm, I'm reading it. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is great. This is exact. Don't you love affirming people in your life? Like, man, you are the best. Brandon, psh, your hair today is on point, man. <laughs> like, You know, we love affirming people. And that's what we should be when it comes to the word of God. We should be affirming to the word of God, not resistant to it. And, uh, and, and it's a heart of wanting to follow God. And you know what it also is? It's a heart of that when you follow God and you fail in following God, that you repent and you get right with him and you get back to where you need to be. That's the heart. See, true followers of Christ have this mindset that in whatever way God leads us, we will listen and we will obey his direction by the Spirit. And I got to tell you, there's no better way to live life than to be immediately obedient to the calling and the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life. Many of us have lived years of our life even resisting the Holy Spirit. And we know the difficulty that it has brought to us, the challenges, the struggle. And then there's the flip side of it where you've had moments and maybe months of time where you've lived your life following after the Holy Spirit and completely following God. And you're like, this is exactly what I need. Even if it's hard, even if it's, uh, e- even if it's very, very difficult, God is still walking with you because you're following him by his grace and he's giving you the strength that you need. And church, we need to be like Philip, that when God asks us to go somewhere, when God asks us to do something, we just follow him now i don't know what god is doing in your heart but i gotta tell you this i do know that god is still calling people to follow him and there might be some of you here today that god is specifically calling you to follow him in some way he may be leading you to witness to a friend or a coworker or somebody that he's trying to get you to reach and he's like you need to talk to them and you're like no talk to them no and you're resisting it right now would you stop resisting would you follow him there might be some of you right now that God is speaking you to serve in the local church in a greater way. And you're trying to, and you're like, I don't know if I'm qualified or I don't know that I can do it. Listen, if God's leading you, you need to pursue it. Come and talk to somebody. And let's, and let's make that happen. For some of you, it may be that God is calling you to full, uh, serve him in full-time ministry some way. You say, that's scary. Yeah, it is. But you know what? God does that he does still call people to serve him in a greater way. For some of you, it may be that God has just been moving in your heart about being faithful. Maybe it is God's moving in your heart about giving out of your abundance. Maybe it's something that God is doing in your life that I don't even know about or could even begin to understand. But if God is speaking to you, you need to search it out. You need to prove it from Scripture. And you need to then just follow God like Philip. Now for Philip, the call of the gospel was taking him to a desert road. And it's because God had a plan. And, and the same thing is with us. When God is calling you to something, it's because he has a plan for something. And it's probably not what you're expecting that plan to be. But he has something great going on. And that's what's happening here with Philip. And so the call of God takes him, the call of the gospel takes him to an unlikely place. But what it shows us is God's heart for all people. And so secondly, I want you to see here the concern of the gospel. The concern of the gospel. You could replace it with the concern of God as well. But I want you to look back at verse number 27. Where it says, He arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning. And notice what he was doing. He was sitting in his chariot, and he was reading Isaiah the prophet. And then in verse 29, Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near, join thyself to this chariot. And he ran, and he came to him, and he saw that he was reading from the prophet Isaiah. And he said, Hey, do you know what you're reading? Do you understand what you are reading? So you gotta uh, put yourself in those shoes as, as Philip gets there to that dusty desert road and he's like, I'm here. <laughs> right? All right, I'm here, Lord. And he's just hanging out. I don't know what he was doing. He's just waiting. And then he sees this chariot coming. Now, when you read these verses here, you're like, okay, this guy uh, was, uh, you, you know, he, he seems like a, uh, he's got a chariot, okay? He's reading scripture. Th- there's a few details that we see in this passage, but it tells us actually a lot about this guy. This man who was in this chariot, who was reading scripture, he's described for us here as the treasurer of the Candace dynasty. You say, well, it says Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. Well, Candace was a term like Pharaoh. It was, it was a, a term for, uh, for a, a position is what it was. And so this guy right here was the treasurer. He kept the treasury, which means he had access to all of the money of the kingdom for this dynasty, Uh, of this area that was called uh, Ethiopia now it's not Ethiopia as we see it today in that time it was called that I'll give you a little bit of a an idea ancient Ethiopia was actually just south of Egypt that's where Cairo is today we would understand it Uh, today it's in northern Sudan it's an area that traditionally was called Nubia in in that part uh, there of of, uh, right close to Egypt and uh, and so it really wasn't all that far away. If you look at where modern day Ethiopia is today, it'd be much much farther. It's about a 1,600 kilometer trip for him. But what we see in this passage is this man who is searching. It tells us there that he had been uh, he had been in Jerusalem. Did you see that? He had been in Jerusalem, and he had been uh, now was reading uh, uh, reading the book of Isaiah. And 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 we're trying to kind of figure out this guy and. And uh, really what we believe had happened is somehow he had come under the influence of Judaism at some point, obviously. And searching out for more answers, he had made that, that 1,600 kilometer trip all the way to Jerusalem to hear uh, what, uh, what they had to say, to find more answers. But regardless of how he got to this point... Some people believe he was a full proselyte of Judaism. Some believe he was what they called a near proselyte, which means you couldn't meet certain, uh, certain requirements to be a full uh, proselyte of, of Judaism. Whatever it was, he was searching for something. <laughs> and he apparently had not found it in Jerusalem. And we see that by him reading Isaiah 53, verses 7 through 8, and he would have been reading it aloud. That was the practice. If you were to read a holy scripture, you would to read it aloud. What if we did that today? That'd be great. You're on the bus, you know, and you're just reading out loud, uh, whatever it may be. And so he was reading aloud. And again, I want you to picture the story because to me, I just love reading the Bible and and imagining these things in his mind. So Philip is there. He's on this dusty desert road. And uh, along comes this chariot. And it tells us that in, uh, in verse number 30, it says that he ran to him and he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. So do you see it? (laughs) <laughs> he just comes out of nowhere up beside this guy's chariot and he's running beside him and he's listening to him read Isaiah. Now, uh, okay, this is great. Now think about it. Think about the providence of God that put him at that exact place when he's reading this exact passage at that exact time. I mean, God is definitely working here. And so Philip, this like, you know, hitchhiker comes out of the side of the road and there's this chariot. And, and if he was, you know, he's the he's over the treasury of Ethiopia, so he would have had a whole bunch of people with him a whole entourage of people but he's there and he's reading out loud and this guy comes running out the side and the guards on the chariot you know kind of look at him with their spears up who is this guy running up and he runs alongside and he hears him reading and he yells into the chariot hey do you know what you're reading do you know what you're reading and then look at verse 31 and he said how can I except sh- some man should guide me and he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him and Philip said great I am tired of running Look it happens in verse 32. And the place of the scripture where he read was this. So he gets in the chariot and he says, show me what you're reading. This is what I'm reading. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. This is a quote of Isaiah 53, verses seven and eight. This is one of the best places that someone can be reading in the Old Testament to learn about Jesus Christ. Description of the suffering servant is what we call that passage. And he, here's what he read. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. In verse 34, and the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or of some other man? I don't want you to miss out on the point that God will always send somebody to a seeking person, He will always send someone to a person who is seeking the truth. I don't want you to miss out on the fact that God Almighty, who could write his gospel in the heavens, chose to send a man to a specific place to meet a specific person for the specific reason of sharing with him the truth of the gospel. That's amazing. I think if you look at your own life and you'd you'd look and see how you came to faith, you would recognize the hand of God in your life as well. And that's what we see here is God sending someone to show him the way. This is the character of God that, that you cannot miss out on in this passage. It reminds me of 2nd Peter 3:9 that says, God is not long suffering to us word. He's not willing that any, or he is long suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We see here God's love for mankind. Luke 19:10 says for the son of man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. Sometimes we wonder about you know, people around the world who do not know the gospel, they've not heard about Jesus Christ. And to me, this is a great example of how God will always send someone to a seeking person. It's interesting, I came across a book just recently called Eternity in Their Hearts. It's written by a guy who studied many different cultures from around the world, from a Christian point of view. And in his book, what's so interesting is that he, he references and he talks about real-life examples of people groups all around this world that had no connection to faith but yet when the missionaries got there or when people were sent there or maybe just happened to come by and bring them the truth of the word of god they already had built within their culture terms and concepts and histories that had prepared them to hear the gospel of jesus christ that's such an interesting book there's there's dozens and dozens of examples of different cultures that they believed in a a greater god than their other gods A God that they didn't know much about, but they still worshiped him. They prayed to him. They recognized him as the God who created all things. And then when they came with the gospel, they were able to meet them right where they were and share the truth with them. And that's what we see in this passage. This man was seeking. He had gone to Jerusalem and did not find what he was looking for. And so God sent somebody to show him Jesus so that he could find out the truth. He had searched for the truth, but he still was looking for answers. And so we see in verse 35, then Philip opened his mouth. I just love these funny details in the Bible sometimes. i are like, all right, how else is he going to talk to him, you know? And Philip opened his mouth, and he began at the same scripture. Now, this is so cool. He began where he was. This is a great witnessing tip when you're trying to share your faith with somebody. Start with where they are. And so he began at the same scripture, and then he preached unto him Jesus See, Philip began where he was and he preached Christ. He explained to him, of course, he would have explained to him with many verses how Christ was the fulfillment of that prophecy. He would have explained uh, what Jesus had done for his sins. He would explain how salvation could be found in the risen Christ. And I don't know how long they rode together in that chariot, but I do know what happened is because we see it in the passage here. And so I want to look at thirdly, the consequences of the gospel. Now, usually you think of consequences, you think of it in a negative tone. These are positive consequences of the gospel in this man's life. And so God gave this call to Philip. He came and he shared his concern uh, or, or he revealed his concern for this man by sending Philip. And then we see the consequences. The first consequence was that the man was saved. That's a great consequence of the gospel, right? The man was saved. You say, how do you know that? Well, as Philip examined or explained to him Christ's fulfillment, we see his response in verse 36. And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Man, what a great, what a great phrase. What's stopping me from being baptized? And Philip said this, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said in this great statement, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now you might say, well, how did this Gentile know that water equaled baptism or that they should be, he should be baptized? Well, it's interesting. If someone uh, was a Gentile and they were, wanted to join the, Jude, uh, um, the Jewish faith, they wanted to join Judaism they actually had to be baptized. Isn't that interesting? It was something that was much older than just the New Testament church. And so if he was on the pursuit of being a, a Jew, if he was on a pursuit of being part of Judaism, he would have understood that. And so he understood the idea of baptism being related to conversion or being a picture of conversion. And so they came along and he saw the water there. And maybe Philip explained the idea of what had taken place at Pentecost. A lot of people believe that this uh, Ethiopian eunuch would have been in Jerusalem during the time of the day of Pentecost. So he might have heard about the thousands that were baptized, maybe even seen it. Regardless, he saw water and he said, listen, I'm putting my faith in Christ. And so I want to be baptized and so Philip what I want you to notice confirmed his faith in Jesus Christ first did you see that he said if you believe he says I believe that Jesus Christ is God and so as the entourage looked on and people were there I'm sure in verse 38 he commanded the chariot to stand still and they went down both into the water both Philip and the eunuch and he baptized him he baptized him now baptism of course we know is not the reason for salvation it is a picture of salvation And that's what he was symbolizing here to those people that were there. He was identifying with Christ. He was identifying with that Christian community. And it was one of the first acts that we see in the early church as following belief in Jesus Christ, people were baptized almost immediately because they were proclaiming their faith publicly uh, to others. And today that same message is seen in baptism. Many of you, I've been able to baptize and I'm thankful for that. And that day that we baptized you and I asked you the question, have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ? And uh, you say, yes, I have. And then I stuck your head underwater and we brought you back up. What were you doing? You were publicly identifying to the world and maybe to, well, definitely to our church and you're uh, uh, testifying to maybe those that you had invited to be there for that day, that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. And that's what we see happening here with this man that he trusted in Christ, and then, uh, and then he was baptized. And so that was the first consequence, was that he saved. The second one was, is that he had joy. I love this. He had joy. Look at verse number 39. And when they were come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip. The eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Now you might say, wait a second, what happened to Philip? We'll come back to that in just a second. But I don't want you to miss out on the fact that there is joy that comes into your life when you turn to faith in Jesus Christ. You know, those of us who have been saved for a long time, we so often forget the joy of when we first turned to Christ. We forget the joy of when we first believed, as the song says. We forget sometimes to be thankful for the eternal security that we have in Jesus Christ. But to a new believer, one of the earliest fruits of the Spirit that's evident in their life is always joy. Always joy. I want you to think back to when you first got saved you there okay you remember that feeling that joy that came as you understood the truth as you realized that christ died for your sins not only did he die for your sins but he rose again to prove that the death was worthy that he had paid the sacrifice for your sins and we serve a risen savior and we have joy because of that listen christian don't ever lose out on the fact that the gospel brings joy it brings happiness that cannot be explained in any other way The gospel brings joy that cannot be bought. You cannot purchase that joy. No matter how much money you have, no matter how many things you try to get in your life, you cannot purchase joy that comes from the Spirit of God. And so we see here this man full of joy. He went on his way rejoicing after accepting Christ. But as we look again at verse number 39, you'll notice there was an interesting thing that happened. It says, when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that he could see him, he saw him no more. I, don't know, I like to imagine they came up out of the water you know they're soaking wet and the eunuch's like yeah <laughs> you know and and he's like awesome and he, all the guys in the chariot are like "Woo!" and they didn't have guns to fire in the air but they're like yeah uh, i don't know they they wouldn't have fired that's a waste of ammunition but uh they uh, you know whatever they would have done it was <laughs> celebrated had a great time and he turns to maybe give philip a hug and he's shh, he's gone what just happened where did he go this is this is really interesting It says here that the Spirit took him away. Now, we see that in Scripture. There's other places. People that were moved from place to place uh, by the Spirit of God. Uh, It doesn't happen all of the time. Uh, It doesn't happen anymore. Just to put that out there to you, it's like, you know, Star Trek, all right, we want to be teleported. Uh, It's it's not that. Uh, It doesn't happen anymore. But God did it for a very specific purpose. Because us, we look at it like, well, that wasn't really necessary. You know, I mean, and there's different reasons people believe why that happened. It could have been that Philip would have then just got back in the chariot. All right, let's go to Ethiopia, and I'm going to preach it everywhere. You know, preach everyone, uh, tell everyone about the gospel, whatever it may be. But God still had a plan for him, and we see it in verse number 40. It says, but Philip was found at Azotus. And you're like, what does that mean? I don't know. You know, you think of a big cloud of dust, and there he was. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. He just showed up, and he was found there. The next time he was seen, it says, in passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Now this city, Azatos, was the name of an old Philistine, uh, Philistine city, Ashod. It was about 20 miles north of Gaza where he was, that road in between Jerusalem and Gaza. It was about 20 uh, miles, I don't know, kilometers that is, 30 kilometers or so um, north from there. And, uh, a- and he went and he preached there in this Philistine town. And then it says that he continued up until Caesarea. Now Caesarea was a city that was built by Herod the Great. It was in honor of Caesar Augustus, And uh, that town was established as the capital for all Roman administration for occupied Palestine at that time. It was a predominantly Gentile city. I'm going somewhere with this while I'm giving you all this history. It was a predominantly Gentile city, and it was where a man by the name of Cornelius was stationed as a Roman centurion. Now, Cornelius, we're going to read about extensively in chapter 10 as one of the first Gentiles to turn to faith. In fact, Peter led Cornelius to Christ. The Holy Spirit was given in that town, to that Gentile town. And Cornelius was a key man in the movement forward by actually establishing a church uh, in his home. And so we see Philip going there before anybody else and preaching. And I believe he was planting the seeds already in Cornelius' heart for what God was about to do. Now, we don't hear from Philip for 20 years after this think about it this man who was used so greatly in Samaria he was used in this incredible way here to help the spread and open the door the spread of the gospel around the world we don't hear from him for 20 years until later on in the book of Acts where it talks about how he was still in Caesarea he went to Caesarea and God was like this is where I want you And he served faithfully there for 20 years. And he raised a family. It tells us later on, and we'll get to that in our study, that he raised four daughters who love the Lord and who serve people. And that's the next time we see him mention that he's been faithful in Caesarea, ministering to people and raising his family for the Lord. What a great lesson that is. You know, parents, those of you who have kids, I hope that you have a desire to raise your children for the Lord. Raise your children to follow after Christ. You know, we always want the best for our kids, right? I do. I got a lot of kids, and I want the best for all of them. Uh, But I also know that the best place for my children to be is in the center of God's will. And so I want to raise my children so that they can recognize and follow the will of God no matter where it is that God leaves them. He may take them away from me. But you know what? If away from me is in the will of God and with me is not in the will of God, I still want them in the will of God. Because I know that's the best place for them. And God loves my kids more than, than I love them. And that's a hard thing to think of sometimes, but he really does. God loves our kids. And we can learn that from Philip. He raised his family to love God and to serve God together. And to me, this is such a great story. Now, I recognize this morning that this is a familiar story to many of you. Maybe you heard it in Sunday school growing up, and you remember the little flannel graph, you know, and they're moving the guy around, and, well, wow, look at that, they're baptized, hooray, and you go and play with it. No? Anyone know what a flannel graph is? Okay, a few of you do. Uh, it's an old way of illustrating Bible stories, and I think it's great. Uh, but as a kid, I grew up with these, and they moved these little characters, you know, and, and, and it's a familiar story. Some of you maybe have just, are just hearing it for the first time, but many of you have heard it before, and, and uh, maybe you've been thinking about more important things during the message, like lunch. I want to end today, though, with a couple of thoughts. You say, who would think about lunch during a preaching service where we're opening the word of God? Okay, Isaac. Good. Thank you, Isaac. I appreciate it. (laughs) That's great. That's great. That's great. (laughs) I want to share with you just four truths from this passage, and I promise you it's only going to take me just a couple minutes here, but some lessons that I don't want us to miss out on. All right. The first lesson I don't want us to miss on is the lesson of God's love for the individual. This is a great truth that we see in this passage. The lesson of God's love for the individual and the extent that God will go to to reach one person with the gospel. He pulled a very effective preacher in a place that a lot of things were happening to travel many kilometers just to reach one man. You know, that tells us that God believes that all people are worth saving. All people are worth reaching out to. He could have sent an angel, but instead he spent an earthly mes- sent an earthly messenger a sinner who had also experienced the joy of salvation to share with him. And for us, you got to think about it, church, that's our mission as well. It's amazing to think that God would send a sinner like me to tell another sinner about Jesus Christ. And that's what he does. And he uses us in that way. And so don't miss out on the lesson of God's love for the individual. Reminds me of Luke 15, where he says, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. A second lesson that we see here as though, is the lesson of God's servant, Philip. The key word is servant, Philip. Remember, he was not one of the apostles. He was just somebody who had been called to serve and he was a willing, server, uh, uh, a servant to the local church, but as he grew in the Lord, God used him in a greater way and gave him more and more responsibilities. He did not just immediately become an evangelist preaching all over the place. But his ministry for the Lord began with caring for the needs of widows, carrying groceries to people. Led with the Holy Spirit of God, leading him to some very specific places, so that he could share the truth, especially with this man. It reminds me of Luke sixteen ten, says that he that is faithful in the least, uh, in that which is least, is faithful also in much, and he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. You know, church, we need to look at the opportunities that God has given to us to serve, and we need to do our very best in those opportunities. You say, ah, I just show up, I help out in a kid's class, or I, I, you know, I just do, I, I, I'm a greeter at the front, or I help set up coffee, or I brought a snack. Whatever it is that God has called us to do in this moment, we need to do our very best in that thing. And he says here, and it's a, it's a clear scriptural principle, that if we do our best in the least of things, God will honor us and he will give us responsibility in much. Often we just want the much right away. You know, I remember when I was in, 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 uh, in Bible college and you know, I was just finishing up school and, and I remember thinking to myself when I was in college, like, man, you know, I graduate in May. I'm going to be preaching to hundreds by September. You know, and I imagine I have all this stuff. And guess what? I, I guess what I did. Guess who the first person I preached to was one 65-year-old lady who told me my, my lesson was terrible. That's humbling, isn't it? And in fact, every week in my first church that I served in, I had to teach my lesson to the head of the Sunday school department as the youth pastor. I had to preach my lesson to one lady every single week, and she would just tear me up. She'd be like, why would you say that? And she would just take notes. It was really great. Very, very humbling. But God used that to help me get to the point uh, where eventually I did have opportunities to preach, and I'm so thankful to be here today. The point is, whatever thing that we are doing, do our very best and learn from Philip in that. The other lesson that we see here is the lesson of complete surrender to the will of God. Even when it didn't make sense to Philip, he left and he surrendered and he followed God, even if it took him to this road in the middle of the desert. He surrendered his will to the Lord. I wonder how surrendered is your will to God today? How surrendered is your will to God today? And then lastly in this lesson, we see the lesson of the Spirit's prompting. And the blessing that is ours when we follow after God in a special way. How many times do we hear the voice of God and we say no to it rather than, yes, Lord, I will follow you. Sometimes I wonder of what I have missed out on in my life because I simply did not surrender to the call of God. Don't miss out on God's leading in your life because of so much other noise in your life right now.
0: We hope that today's message was a help and encouragement to you in your walk with God. To stay connected with us, give us a like on Facebook or follow us on Instagram at Vance City Baptist. Our prayer is that God will grow and bless you as you pursue his will for your life.